Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to Unnatural. Episode 40. How about that, Emily? I don't like to think about 40 because I think about being 40 <laughs> years old and it makes me upset. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait a minute here. I'm way, way closer to 40 than you are. I've got a lot more to worry about here. Still. <laughs> What are we doing today? Well, we want to give a shout out to all of our faithful followers and all of our recent listeners. We certainly wouldn't be doing this without you guys. And let us know if there's any cases you'd like to hear us cover. We are definitely open to that. We've done that in the past, Emily. So, yeah, just uh, open the floodgates and uh, give us your input on what you want us to cover. For shiz. For shiz. And I got a bit of a disclaimer here, Emily. Mm -hmm. So, as an American, I will do my very best with some of these pronunciations, but there's a good chance I'm going to butcher a number of them. I may have German ancestry, but sadly, I, I don't speak it myself, except for Guten Tag. Nine. Guten Tag. That means good day. Nine means no. I know yeah, that. That's about all I got. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some French in there today as well. But today, Emily, we're going international. This is one of those cases that received quite a lot of attention in Europe, but not many Americans have heard of it. This is the story of Andre Bomberski and his 30-year-old fight for justice. Bomberski was a beautiful, vibrant 14-year-old French girl. She really had her whole life ahead of her. Her family moved to Casablanca, Morocco in the 1970s, where her father, Andre, was an accountant. And that's where they met Dr. Dieter Krombach. Was he actually an accountant or like a spicy accountant? He may have been a spicy accountant. I'm not sure. I mean, they were mm -hmm. in Casablanca. Mm -hmm. The only thing I really know about Casablanca is that famous American movie that's always hailed as one of the greatest movies of all time. I think I saw it once, and I know the, the final line in the movie where he goes, Humphrey Bogart has the hat, and he's like, here's looking at you, kid. So... Dieter Krombach was a German doctor who was also living in Morocco at the time. And the two families became acquainted while Kalinka and his daughter became friends at school. And the two, they would often have playdates together and Kalinka's mother, Danielle, would drop by the house to visit with Krombach while the kids were playing in the pool. Now, Dieter Krombach, Emily, he was a smooth operator. He was a master manipulator of women. Ew. And one day, when Danielle was picking her daughter up, 
she mentioned that she was going to be out of town for a few weeks so the two girls wouldn't see each other. And Dieter just casually says to her that maybe he'll go on vacation too. Maybe he'll go skiing as well at the same resort she's going to be at. And if she wants to see him while she's there, just call his house and let it ring one time. Now, that's kind of an example of how people used to sneak around before the internet and DMs were around, I think. But that was the plan of him. that tracks. Yeah. Now, Danielle, she resists this obvious come on, but shortly thereafter... Uh, the family gets into a car accident, and Kalinka is badly injured. She suffers a concussion. She breaks some bones. She's in the hospital for a while. But who comes to the family's rescue? Well, it's Dieter. And <laughs> so Dieter brings Kalinka back to the local hospital in Morocco. He gets her the very best treatment possible and starts spending a lot more time with Danielle. And Kalinka eventually makes a full recovery. And no surprise here, Danielle and Dieter, they start hooking up. But about a month or so later, Kalinka's father, Andre, is going through one of their dressing tables upstairs. And he finds a bunch of cassette tapes. Now, apparently, Dieter had been sending Danielle secret love messages with a tape recorder. Ugh. That's my 13th reason right right there. (laughs) What would that be the equivalent to today? Just somebody sending a voice message in the DMs or something? Or like a Snapchat. Right, right. So, he finds this old-fashioned Snapchat, Emily, and he's like, nope, uh uh-uh. And later that night, he calmly confronts Danielle. And he says, look, do you love this guy? And she's like, no. He just wouldn't leave me alone. He made me feel guilty. And credit to Andre, he accepts that and he takes her back, which that Mm. that takes a lot. Yeah. But he says hey, we got to get out of this town. We can't be around this guy anymore. If we're going to rebound from this and be a family again, we've got to move away from here. So they do. Andre, Danielle, and the kids leave Morocco and go back to France. And things seem to be going along fine for a while. Danielle is slowly earning back Andre's trust after the affair. And Andre is beginning to kind of head down that road of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But Emily and I know I've been there. He can't stop thinking about it. Once that infidelity rears its ugly head in, right? You can't get it out of your head sometimes. And he really should have just been like, "Merci beaucoup, <laughs> goodbye." <laughs> and how many times have you stayed with somebody after they cheated, and you just become paranoid because you think well, that they're going to do it again? Right? I haven't stayed with anybody after I realized they were cheating. Well, kudos so. to you. I've done it before and it was a bad, bad, bad decision. And mm-hmm. so this was kind of Andre in a nutshell. He began to follow her at her job 
and she was a real estate agent and she'd be showing a house or an apartment to a client and out of nowhere Andre would show up pretending like he was just in the neighborhood but oh. but really he was consumed with catching her cheating again right and then guess what did he catch her cheating yeah again? she cheated again Andre caught her in a hotel room with Dieter he had come to visit her in the hotel, and that was the end of it. No. The two divorced shortly after. Now let's fast forward about eight years to 1982. Danielle and Dieter, they've been married for a number of years at this point, and they're sharing custody of the two children that uh, Danielle had with Andre. Mm -hmm. He's still back in France, and meanwhile, they've moved to Dieter's home country of Germany, where they lived on the east side of Lake Constance. And it's a place that's kind of nestled right in the Alps along the borders of Switzerland and Austria in a small town called Lindau. Hmm. Now, for the school year, Kalinka was in a French boarding school, but in the summers, she would kind of bounce back and forth between her dad and then also in Lindau with her mom and her stepfather. On uh, July 9th, 1982, Kalinka was windsurfing on Lake Constance. Now, around 5 o'clock, she returned home. She was pretty tired, according to her stepfather and her mother, and she said she wasn't feeling very well. The family sat down to dinner around 7.30, and Kalinka decided, hey, I'm going to go to bed, not feeling that great. She did get up in the middle of the night around 10 p.m. to drink a glass of water. And that's also according to her stepfather. She was reading downstairs in her bedroom until about midnight. And then he kind of popped by and said, hey, turn off the light. Time to go to bed. Mm -hmm. The following morning, sometime before about 10 o'clock, Dieter came downstairs and attempted to wake his stepdaughter. He found her lying in bed. She was on her right side and she was dead. What? Her body was already stiff with rigor mortis at this point. Mm -hmm. And Dieter would later tell examiners that he tried to revive her with one of, you know, because he was a doctor. Right. He tried to revive her with some sort of injection that he con concocted um, called Coramin, which apparently is a central nervous system stimulant. Okay, but she was already in rigor. Right. Yeah. You can't bring somebody back from that, but maybe yeah. he was in panic or whatever. Yeah. He also tried a number of other stimulants in her legs, but he was hours too late. And an autopsy would put her time of death around 3 or 4 a.m. that morning. Around 10.30 a.m. that morning, uh, the telephone rang at Andre's home. And he was living in a place in France three miles south of the city of Toulouse. His ex-wife delivered the news of his daughter's death. And Emily, Andre, he just immediately was overcome with shock he sank into the chair and he was just absolutely stunned. Oh, I'm sure that's like a phone call you never think you're going to get. Mm -hmm. But why did they wait so long to call him and tell him? 
Well, it wasn't that much longer because they found uh, out at 10 a.m. So they called him around 1030. Now she. Oh, I thought I thought it was earlier. That yeah. The her. autopsy said she died around three or four a.m. Right. So he was obviously just overcome with emotion. He was just thinking about how could this happen? Kalinka was a healthy, athletic teenager. She really had no history of medical issues. He talked to his ex-wife. He was devastated. And she explained that uh, Dieter had a couple theories as to what happened to Mm -hmm. Kalinka. What were they? And his, well, the theory number one was that Kalinka could have suffered heat stroke. Now, she was out all day and she could have been, you know, this could have been caused by overexposure to the sun the day before. Or he said she could have died from that long delayed effect of the 1974 car accident in Morocco where she got that concussion, which seems to me very unlikely. Yeah. Eight years later, you die from your car accident. I don't know. So Andre, he was mystified. He's overwhelmed with with grief. He flew to Switzerland and then he rented a car at the airport Drove about 50 miles to Lake Constance. You know, the Alps are under the moon behind him. He's grappling with his daughter's death. He checks into a hotel room on Sunday morning, drives to the hospital, views Kalinka's body, which was in a refrigerated area in the morgue. Mm -hmm. And he was a devout Catholic. He said a prayer over his daughter who was lying there dead and she had worn to bed uh two nights earlier this uh red night shirt which she was still in and uh late that morning he and his 11 year old son kalinka's brother nicholas who was also living with his mother and stepfather they flew back to france to await the arrival of Kalinka's body for burial. You know, since she was from France, they were going to bury her in France. Right. And for Andre, obviously there was a, a lot of shock and horror for Kalinka's death, but the mystery was almost hovering over it of how this happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this healthy daughter, she was just having an ordinary day and then. All of a sudden, she's found dead the next day. And he's already shown that he can kind of, like, if he has a suspicion, he'll go the extra mile to confirm said suspicion. So I'm sure in his head, he's just, like, reeling over what happened. Yeah. And uh, foreshadowing, because he definitely goes the extra mile here. But... uh, I'm getting taken vibes. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. So he was very religious... And obviously he found solace in his faith, but he also felt that God alone couldn't not help him make sense of this loss, if that makes sense. Yeah. So soon those suspicions that he kind of had turned towards the last person to see Kalinka alive. And that was Dr. Dieter Krombach.
He was getting suspicious. He was probably getting pretty suspicious at this time. Sus. And Kalinka's autopsy was conducted a couple days after her death. The results were pretty horrifying, Emily, and this could definitely count as a trigger warning here because the details of this are... For anybody who's suffered some of this stuff, uh, anything to do with rape or anything like that, it's pretty tough to hear. Oh, good. Although the autopsy could not determine a cause of death, it did provide several clues as to what may have taken place. It stated that they found bile and stomach acid in her lungs. They found injection marks all over her body and underneath a number of them, they found blood clots. They found uh, undigested food in her stomach. Keep that in mind. And they also found a vaginal tear which is said to have occurred post-mortem. No. Yeah. And they also found uh, blood stains around her genital area. Oh, my God. Now, in my opinion, the most fucked up part of the entire autopsy, her stepfather, Dieter, was allowed to be part of it. What? They let him in there. He was present. Now, although although German authorities said that he didn't participate in the autopsy, there's highly speculative evidence that he did. And they also didn't mention that a sexual assault may have taken place. They, they didn't even put that in there. When clearly, that seems pretty likely. Yeah. Andre gets the autopsy. He has someone translate it for him because remember, he's French. And this was written in German. And once he obtained the reports, he pressed for there to be an investigation. That's when he his suspicions really came to fruition here. Yeah. Now, now Dieter, Emily, he Trash. admitted to giving... <laughs> yeah. He admitted to giving Kalinka an injection of cobalt iron before she went to bed. For what? Which, exactly, for what, right? Well, this was what he said. He said he was administering it to make her more tan. What? Yeah, you heard that right. An injection to make somebody more tan. Um, something that still hasn't been invented to this day, 40 years later. But apparently he had the gift to make somebody tan through an injection. Uh-huh. Now, in the investigations, it was determined that the injection most likely occurred right before Kalinka's death. Not hours before, as Dieter said. Because here's why they figured that out. She never digested her food. And the aspirated lungs that we talked about Mm -hmm. point to the fact that she likely died while she was in a coma and under some sort of anesthesia. So, like, she probably, like, choked on her own vomit vomit, and that's why she died. What year is this again? This is 1982. Okay. 
And for whatever reason, the German investigators, they just dropped it. Super sus. Fuck them. Well, this sent Andre into a bit of a tailspin. As it should. As it would to any father in that situation. He flew to Lindau and he basically started trolling Dieter. He He went to all the local shops. He spoke with people on the streets and he handed out hundreds of leaflets to area residents explaining that a murderer was in their midst. Yeah. And for this, he was promptly arrested. And then... Oh, for like slander. Yeah, he was sued by Dieter for defamation mm-hmm. in which Dieter won 500,000 German marks. What? Now, that was 500,000 German marks that Andre Bamberski would never pay. Fair enough. Now, let's skip ahead to 1985. Andre finally got a judge to order Kalinka's body to be exhumed. You know, this is this is by the authorities in France, so yeah. we're not talking Germany anymore. So they exhume her body. They perform another autopsy. And with this autopsy, Emily, it's not what they found that was disturbing. It's what they didn't find. It's what they didn't find. Jinx. I hate that. And what didn't they find? Well. Organs. Her. Kalinka's genitals were missing. What? Exactly. What? Why do you think her genitals might be missing? Because that's where all the evidence of the sexual assault was. Bingo. So the autopsy determined that Kalinka died from severe shock and trauma. And as you mentioned, as you speculated, Emily, she died in a coma while she was choking on her own vomit. Yeah. And when he, quote unquote, found her in the morning and he tried to revive her by giving her all of these injections, that was probably just to cover up the ones he was giving her as like some sort of experimental bullshit. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're you're spot on. Fuck this guy. So far. He cut off her vagina yeah. mm-hmm. he cut it off what did yeah. he do with it he probably put it in like a wet specimen jar and kept it in his basement because he's a fucking creep allegedly and how did how was he able to get away with this with the other german money you know authorities there I, it's just oh my goodness it's just awful but uh so All the evidence suggested that Kalinka died in a coma due to that injection given by Dieter Mm -hmm. Krombach. But sadly, Emily, this case was stuck in limbo for years and years for whatever reason, actually for a lot of reasons. And in this time, guess what happened? Well, Danielle left Dieter and moved back to France. Mm -hmm. Um. Here's the weird thing, though. She still claimed to believe Dieter and said that he was innocent and that her reasons for leaving him were independent from the case. Mm -hmm. And look, 
looking back on this case, obviously, I don't think she did anything wrong in the sense of, you know, killing her daughter. Mm -hmm. But she definitely turned a blind eye to a lot of things. And it's pretty sad. And this would continue through the years. But good news did finally come in 1995 when it was announced that Dieter was going to stand trial for the murder of his stepdaughter. But not in Germany, where the murder took place, but in France. Now, what's the only problem with this? Well, Dieter Krombach wasn't coming to France. Right. So the trial was going to take place without a defendant. In absentia is the legal term for it. Uh And... It's been around for a long time. It's in a lot of countries and it has kind of mixed results, as you might imagine. Because when you don't have the defendant there or anybody to argue on their behalf, it looks a little sus (laughs) on the prosecution's part. Yeah. But he didn't even have like a lawyer or somebody there on his behalf. I think that their thinking was... If he were to send a lawyer, then that would presume guilt or something like that. So, they didn't even send a lawyer there. And the French legal system, Emily, is different than ours is here in the States. But good news, after a short trial, Dieter was found guilty for the murder of Kalinka. Now, the prosecutor asked for 30 years, which I believe was the maximum that was allowed for this conviction. Mm -hmm. The judge, however, reduced the sentence to 15 years. And can you guess why that may have happened? Well, it's political. A lot of people believe this was because of the immense pressure that Germany as a country was putting on France behind the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. But it it didn't matter anyway because Dieter wasn't coming to France anytime soon. And despite his conviction, Germany sure as hell wasn't going to extradite him. And as big as this case was getting in the media at this time, I mean, that was only making matters more difficult. Not only was this the biggest story in all of the French newspapers, but it was also the biggest story in all the German newspapers as well. And it so kind of wild. put the, yeah, it put the two countries at odds with each other. And this is hundreds of millions of people upset here. And it was dumb because the case had drug on for so long. It almost became a staring contest between France and Germany without either blinking an eye because they didn't want to lose face. And the sad thing is, is they lost sight on the real issue, justice for this girl, Kalinka, and her family. Right. Right. And everything seemed to be kind of headed towards an endless stalemate. We've seen these cases before where just nothing ever happens. That is until Dieter Krombach was arrested for the rape of a 16-year-old girl. Of course he was. Fucking nasty ass. Right. I mean, they they just can't help themselves. 
Mm-mm. They keep doing. If they get away with something, how many times have we seen this? If they, well, yeah, and like he got convicted, but he one hundred percent got away right. with it for however long because he was still running around yeah. free. So they just keep doing the same thing. And shocker, Emily, turns out Dieter was kind of a scumbag. Oh no, shit! His first wife died in a very suspicious way back in the early nineteen seventies. In fact, Dieter was actually briefly investigated for her death. Why? Because he was suspected of having injected her with an unknown substance. Sound familiar? Ring a bell? Homeboy needs to just put down the syringes. Mm -hmm. Put down the fucking... You're going to give someone an injection to try and make them tan? That's not what he did. No, he he was giving them injections to rape them. Yeah. And now, for whatever reason, I looked into this, but I couldn't figure out why. These charges were eventually dropped due to lack of evidence. For his wife or his ex-wife? So, for his first wife, yeah. So, now we fast forward to this new accusation. Dieter was tried and eventually confessed to raping this 16-year-old patient in Did his... Did he inject me- her too? Well, it was in his medical office. Yeah. What? He injected her and she passed out, but then she kind of regained consciousness, but she couldn't move. And she felt him raping her. No. And so how long do you think he was sentenced for? Six months. Yeah, well, he was sentenced to two years, but two years in prison, he loses his medical license. But after and and after the trial, a number of other women came forward, not surprisingly, and said that, guess what? He drugged and raped them as well. But his sentence was reduced reduced to basically nothing. Because he confessed and agreed to stop practicing medicine in Fuck Germany. You. Germany. So apparently, um, you're all good. As long as you say you're sorry and you won't practice, practice medicine anymore, everything's fine. So he promised he wasn't going to practice medicine anymore. He never promised that he was going to stop raping people. He also never promised that he wouldn't stop practicing medicine in some of the bordering countries. Oh, my Because God. remember what I told you before, where he lived, he, he lived on the border of Switzerland and Austria. And wouldn't you he know it? He popped over to Switzerland and Austria and started practicing mm-hmm. medicine. How, yeah. Why did they allow Quote, unquote, that? practicing why medicine. Did they allow that or was it like one of those, hey, come to my house and I'll give you a coat hanger abortion in the back alley type thing? Well, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Remember, these are other countries, so they're not all sharing information with each other. But It's not like the United States. But still. You would think, yeah, you would think that they would probably have their guard up, but they didn't. this is also what, the 80s? Yeah. So he's practicing medicine. This is the 90s at this point, but he's practicing medicine in Austria and Switzerland. And wouldn't you know it? Austria is where he's finally arrested. 
thanks to Andre because he was giving information to Austrian authorities. Yes. But unfortunately, and this isn't super surprising, by this time, Emily, Andre's life was in disarray. Now, he had remarried years earlier, but his wife ended up leaving him because he was so consumed with the revenge of bringing this guy to justice that he couldn't even live a life with her, which you can kind of understand where she's coming from there. I can understand where both of them are coming from, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's really nobody at fault in that situation. But uh, despite being arrested, Dieter was freed from Austrian authorities. And this was due to sizable pressure from the much more powerful German government. You know, when you've got a powerful neighbor who's saying, let this guy go, and you're just a small country, you're you're probably going to let him go. But why is, why, why, why is Germany just like eating this guy's ass? Like, I don't get it either. I think it's just political. They, they, they're trying to save face. I don't know. I, I think they, they're just pissed off because they don't want other countries telling them what to do. Shut up. I know. So all seem to be lost. Andre, though, Emily, decided to go vigilante. He decided to take justice into his own hands. Finally, right? Yeah. Go, Andre. Now, Andre, he knew that the statue of limitations was about to run out in 2012 because that would be 30 years. And apparently in France, that's the statue of limitations. So in October of 2009, he decided to pay three men to kidnap Dieter Krombach in Germany. Now, here's how it went down. These three guys, they pull up to his pad. They kind of stake the place out. They see him taking out the trash outside of his residence. So they run up to him, beat the shit out of him, and throw him into the trunk of the car. Now... Nice. But but they're not in the clear yet. They still have to cross the border into France. Oh, yeah. How are they going to do that? There's border patrol. And as they're crossing the border, literally right as their car is crossing the border, the French guards get a call about the car, the make and the model. But the vehicle is already driving into French territory, so they can't apprehend them. Uh-huh. So they don't wait very long before stopping. They're just over the border into France, and they stop in the town of Malouse. And they chain Krombach to a fence, which is adjacent to the police station. Nice. They then call the police station, tell them who is chained to that fence, and then they fucking get the hell out of there. Yeah. But, Does this fucking backfire? Does he get sent back to Germany? I'm well, gonna be, I'm so mad. There, there's some shit that happens here. So, uh, Andre was soon arrested 
and he, he was found with 19,000 euros that he intended to pay to these kidnappers. Mm-hmm. Luckily for him, he was released on bail. Thanks, France. Now, Germany, at this point, Emily, you can imagine, Germany is furious. And yeah. they demanded Kronbach's return to their own soil. No, sir. And they also demanded the extradition of Andre along with his accomplices. But France said, yeah, hard pass on that. Homeboy, you wouldn't extradite this guy when he was found guilty of murdering a 14-year-old girl. Right? She was 14, right? And France is like, uh, remember when you invaded us back in World War II? Yeah. Um, here's no, here's no. a little bit of it's a revenge here. So it's, instead, Dieter Kronbach was imprisoned in France and a new trial was scheduled, Emily. Mm-hmm. A new one. Yeah. So in this new trial, there was actually testimony of a a German woman. And she said she had an affair with Kronbach when she was 16 years old. And get this. The doctor would drug his wife during their encounters. So Danielle, he would drug Danielle Put her to sleep so he could have sex with this 16-year-old girl. What? Yeah. Did she know? How wouldn't she? And... Danielle? I am not one to blame somebody who didn't do any of this. But there are certainly a number of moments that I've looked at into this case where I wonder what her rationale was, how she could rationalize his behavior and what he was doing. I mean, some guys just are that good at manipulating and gaslighting. Yeah. And they really are. Oh yeah. Many women have experience with that and she did end up leaving him. Yeah. But It just, it leaves a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. Several other women testified at the trial that Dieter Kronbach had sexually abused them as teenagers. Mm Mm-hmm. And he always used uh, those cobalt iron injections when he did it. To try and make them tan, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And on October 22nd, 2011... Dieter Kronbach was sentenced to 15 years in prison oh my God. for causing intentional bodily harm, which resulted in intentional death. That's what they called it. And the prosecutors said that Kronbach had drugged Kalinka in order to rape her. The verdict was confirmed in an appeal in December of 2012. So basically, they said that he drugged her, he was going to rape her, but she died. But then the evidence is is that he raped her after she died. Ugh. Now, his, Ugh. his lawyers, they said they were going to appeal, but that was a rejected a little bit later. Mm-hmm. In 2016, a French court, uh, they did order his release for health reasons. 
but the prosecution's appeal was successful and he remained in prison. However, he was eventually released in February of 2020 for health reasons. And when I was reading this, I was thinking February of 2020. What came around or right around that time? COVID. But no, COVID did not get him. He did die of other reasons, other health issues in September of 2020 in a nursing home in Germany. And Emily, after everything went down, Andre Bamberski, he was quoted as saying, I never intended to take the law into my own hands, only to make up for the cowardice of French justice. Kalinka Bamberski would have turned 54 years old this year. That's the story of Kalinka Bamberski, Andre Bamberski, and just um, a four-decade struggle for justice in France and Germany. Go, Andre. Yeah. Fuck Dieter. Yeah. Don't trust anybody named Dieter. No, it's an awful name. Mm Mm-hmm. Having said that, I'm sure there's plenty of great listeners that we have in Germany who may know somebody named Dieter, so we don't want to project. Well, they're probably awful. (laughs) But if you do know a nice guy named Dieter, tell us about him on our social media. You can do so on Twitter, on NaturalThePod.com. Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. We also have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us your stories via Gmail. That is unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page where you can get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. Wait, wait, and wait, 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 wait. What about what? Sna- what about snail mail? Don't send us a letter. We don't have a PO box. I'd like to have some snail mail here. Okay, what's your address? Okay, I'm not going to give that. That's what I thought. I'm going to find a PO box. Um. But if you are an Apple podcast listener and you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, send us a screenshot on any of the social medias and we will send you a sticker as just a special thank you. So if folks want to do a deeper dive into this case, I do definitely recommend the French film. It's called In Her Name. You can find it on Amazon. And that's where I got a lot of my information on this. Uh, There's a lot more stuff that I didn't get a chance to mention uh, on the podcast, but definitely check that film out. It's it's a it's a great movie and you'll you'll get more insight on this case. And we will talk to you next week when I tell you about a crazy story that I got obsessed with. It's not necessarily true crime in like a murder sense that we usually talk about, but it's definitely kind of a crime against humanity. Mm. So I will tell you 
all about that next week. And in the meantime, make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. But who comes to the family's rescue? Well, it's Dieter. Ugh. <laughs> I hate him. Well, you don't even know him yet. I hate him. <laughs> He's a man. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you hate me? Is there something you yeah. have to... Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you just using me for the podcast here? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, the truth comes out. Yeah, I need we someone continue. who knows how to edit. Apparently. Um, <laughs> but not many Americans have heard of it. This is the story of Andre. B- oh, God. <laughs> this is the. S- Shut up. I know, I already fucked it up. Oh.